If you were in a situation where you were about to be rescued by a firefighter, it's highly unlikely that you would cast doubts on that firefighter's suitability to rescue you based on their lifestyle. So that just before they rescued you, you would stop and say, I know this building's collapsing around me. I know I'm in big trouble here, but just before you get me out of here, can I check? Would there be any possibility of somebody else? I don't like all of your tattoos. Or if you checked if they were married, or if you asked them, can I just make sure, do you drink? Do you smoke? Whatever we may think about Samson and the circumstances and the events of these chapters that we have been reading together over the past few Sunday nights, the absolute key thing for us to remember is that this man, Samson, was sent by God for the purpose of saving God's people. So that if we go back to chapter 13 and verse 5, we think about the words that the angel of the Lord spoke to the parents before the child was born. And we see all kinds of parallels between this nativity story and Judges and then the nativity as we encounter the incarnation, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, the message was so clear back in chapter 13, verse 5. There is a purpose for this child. He will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. He is coming to be a savior, a rescuer. And Samson's arrival into the world and the events of his life ultimately point us to the Lord's faithfulness. While we may struggle to get past foxes being tied together and set on fire and all the rest of it, as we look at this story, we're able to see the grace that the Lord shows His wayward people. Please remember that every rescuing act of the Lord to His people in this time was in spite of what they had done, not because of what they had done, so undeserving of such rescue. That every act that we are reading about in these chapters is reminding of us of how the Lord loves to save people. He loves to save His people. And we began to see this last week in chapter 14. And yet at first glance, as we read that chapter together last time, it may have been hard to see how chapter 14 provides us with a portrait of God's character. Because after all, and I'll put the list up again, when you read through the events of Judges 14, it is a chapter of disharmony. This is a story of discord. Just remember all of the confrontations that happen all the way through that chapter of Scripture. And it was verse 4 in chapter 14 that was the key to unlocking the whole of the chapter. Remember that verse 4 is bracketed, at least if you're reading it in the NIV. So, this is 
the narrator's explanation of everything that is going on in this story, so that with hindsight, we are able to see what Samson's parents were unable to see when their son demanded a Philistine girl as his wife. The narrator tells us back in chapter 14, verse 4, that Samson's parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. In other words, it was the Lord's will, it was His plan for Samson to pursue and marry this Philistine girl, and for this whole tidal wave of confrontation to come about as a result of that. Why? Well, because the Lord Himself was seeking to confront the Philistines. He wanted a showdown. He wanted to, to defeat the enemy who had enslaved and mistreated His people. So, ultimately, this was the Lord's way of keeping His promises and saving His people. This is a good news story. And such is the sovereignty of the Lord. Of course, as gospel people, we see all of this most clearly at the cross. What is it that happens there? Well, at the cross, God used His very enemies to bring about His salvation plan. It's, it's what we thought about last time when Peter, afterwards with hindsight, was reflecting on all of this and inspired by the Holy Spirit, preaching to the crowd on the day of Pentecost, he said, you know what? When Jesus died, He was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the, the help of wicked men, put Him to death by nailing Him to a cross. Because confrontation was the way that it had to be in order for God's people to be saved. So, with that in mind, let's take a look together at the events of Judges 15. Turn with me again in your Bibles. I can see lots of them open, and that's really good. And let's look at these verses together for a few moments. And tonight, we're not actually going to focus too much on Samson himself, although inevitably, we'll be thinking about him because he is instrumental to the events of this chapter. But in two weeks' time, when we continue our series on Judges, then we'll think much more about Samson again as we finish his story in chapter 16. But rather tonight, I want us to think about three things that we see in this chapter. We're going to think about a people who never succeeded, and then we're going to think about a people who gave up. And finally, we'll consider a God who sustains. And my hope and prayer is that as we focus on this chapter, it will lead us to seeking the Lord and to being encouraged and challenged by Him tonight. So, first of all, here in Judges 15, we meet a people who never succeed. And here we're talking about the Philistines, who are the ultimate enemy of God's people. They are the, the ultimate bodies in this period of the history of God's people. 
The thing about the Philistines is that they made themselves the enemies of God's people, and in doing so, and in all of their idolatry, they ultimately made themselves enemies of the Lord Himself, of Yahweh, the one true living God. And as such, they provide us with a warning from history, because they show us that being an enemy of God is never a good position to be in. And inevitably, as we think about them, we, we draw comparisons with those who openly and willfully rebel against God's good rule today. But the thing about the, the Philistines is that they reckon that they are a success. So, when you read through the Samson narrative, when you read through the events of these chapters here in Judges, Judges 14 to 16, every single time they think they have won, they are ultimately beaten. Notice that in this story. And that's because the one whom the Lord sends to save His people, Samson, always turns their success into failure. That's a, a constant theme in this story. We were able to see it back in chapter 14. If you just flick back to that chapter for a second, and you'll remember the way in which the, the Philistines intimidated Samson's wife's family in order that she would give them the solution to the riddle. And remember, there was a lot at stake, so that when she gave in and gave them the solution to this riddle, the Philistines thought, brilliant, we have succeeded, but in the power of the Lord, Samson took great revenge. And then all the way through this chapter, we see this pattern. At the start of the chapter, this Philistine family thinks that it's pulled a fast one on Samson because they have given his wife to his best man. And so, as far as they're concerned, that's a problem sorted. That's Samson out of the picture, and they can all live nice and quiet and peaceful lives. But then, who turns up on their doorstep? You've guessed it, Samson. And he's not a happy man. And so, their supposed success is turned into failure. Listen again to what happens. Samson tells him, this time, I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. So, he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to every pair of tails, lit the torches, and let the foxes loose in the standing corn of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks and standing corn together with the vineyards and olive groves. A bit of a scorched earth policy. And then the Philistines come after Samson, and on two occasions he gives him a queer hiding. When they come after him with the help of some men from Judah, and we'll think more about them later on, eventually they capture him in verse 12, having already killed his wife and her family. This is grisly stuff for sure. 
And once again, the Philistines think that they have succeeded. They've got their man. But once again, God's servant Samson turns their success into terrible failure. Look at what happens in verses 14 and 15, that as they approached Lehi, the Philistines came towards him shouting. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. And finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Imagine. I don't know if you've ever played Cluedo, but this is Cluedo on an industrial scale. It was Samson in the countryside with a jawbone. And just before we move on, and before we get a bit too horrified about animal rights implications and the violence of this passage, let's again remember the purpose of all of this. Remember what is ultimately going on here, the link back to last week. Remember chapter 14 and verse 4, that the Lord, not Samson, but ultimately the Lord was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. He wanted to have it out with his enemies. This was the Lord's showdown. And surely we know from Scripture that whenever that confrontation happens between the Lord and His enemies, there's only ever one winner. There's only one who will have success. So that we continue to see this right the way through to the end of chapter 16. When Samson is captured and he's humiliated by the Philistines, but in a sacrificial act, in a giving up of his life, Samson brought the, the temple of the idols down, and he brought down God's enemies in a spectacular way, and we'll think much more about that next time. But please think of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about the cross. And at the cross, it appeared as if God's enemies had won. It appeared as if Satan had the upper hand. And then Christ shouted, it is finished. The job is done. Salvation is secured. And then when Jesus lay in the tomb and His disciples hid away in fear, God's resurrection power was unleashed. And folks, you can share in this victory in Christ. Whether it's in Scripture or, or today, the enemies of the living God think that they are winning, but it will always end in failure. There's only one side to be on. Please be sure that you're on that side through turning to Christ. So, a people who never succeeded, but then very quickly, we also read about a people who gave up. And this is a really tragic moment in this chapter. 
that we could miss out on if we did not read it carefully enough. Because there was a people who gave up in this story. And the really sad thing is that they are some of God's people, the Israelites. They're described in this chapter either as men of Judah or men from Judah. And they are representatives of one of the tribes that descended from Jacob or Israel. In other words, these were people under the Lord's covenant. And yet, what do they do in this story? Well, Samson is on the run. The Philistines and all of their might are after him. They camp in Judah, and the men of Judah are absolutely terrified, so much so that they capture Samson, who is a brother, who is also one of God's people. Why do they do that? Well, because they don't want to fight with the Philistines. They've given up on fighting against God's enemies. So that what these men of Judah say to Samson is really significant. Look again at verse 11. We're told that 3,000 of them, safety in numbers, from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Etam and said to Samson, don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? Do you see what's really clear from that verse? Many of God's people had just given up. Samson had been sent by God to be a mighty rescuer, if you like, to be a savior. But God's own people rejected the one sent to save them. Does that sound familiar? These men of Judah looked around them, and they saw that the Philistines were in charge, and all the fight left them. They just gave up. What can we do about it? They're the ones in control. We better just put up with their idols and fit in with their culture and keep our heads down and stay clear of trouble. Let's just get as quiet a life as possible. And you know, people, to me, that sounds like sections of the church today. The fight has gone. Where has the fight gone? I hear that from people, oh, we're in decline. I remember when Connor had people all over the place, but not now, and it never will again. What can we do about it? Sure, nobody's interested in the gospel anymore. And as for the issues of the day, well, we better not speak up. Let's keep our heads down. Anything for a quiet life. Church, when did we lose our fight? Why did we lose our fight? Because the battle belongs to the Lord, and He is mighty to save. He's given us a powerful and a perfect Savior. And that brings us to our final point, the final thing that we see in this incredible chapter, a God who sustains. 
Because when the fight has left us as God's people, here's a lesson that we need to learn. The Lord who calls always, always equips. The Lord in His grace has never called someone to do something that it's impossible for them to do. He never leaves nor forsakes His people. And look at the case with Samson here. Samson is, despite what you may think of him, God's servant. He is the rescuer who God had promised. And he's won a great victory over the Philistines, a thousand of them taken out in one session in the power of the Lord. And now Samson was drained. He was wrecked. He was in need of water. And we're told in verse 18, because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, you have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Samson was drained after a great victory. And we get to see that elsewhere in Scripture. We get to see that with Elijah. Remember, Elijah physically and mentally and spiritually low after his great victory over God's enemies on Mount Carmel. And tonight, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, do you ever see this in your life and in your ministry to the Lord? We know how this can be. You do something for the Lord. And perhaps the Lord is pleased to bless that, that you feel that there has been some kind of victory in the work of the kingdom that you're called to. But then you feel absolutely drained physically, mentally, and spiritually. And then we are subject to discouragement and temptation. Honestly, there I know my weakness. There are times after ministry, and you can ask my family about this, when I'm almost unable to speak, I'm not even joking, the words just don't come out. But I want you to see how our God is a sustaining God. Look at His provision for Samson here, which is both miraculous and gracious. Verse 19, then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi, and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned, and he revived. There's beautiful grace in that verse, isn't there? The Lord graciously met the needs of his servant so that Samson was strengthened and revived. So that once again, we are given a wonderful portrait of the Lord and His immense grace to His servants. And this teaches us something that I would love you to hear tonight and to understand in the work of the kingdom, that to the Lord we are not merely utilities, but rather we are servants that he has a deep care for. And be encouraged in that, in all of the challenges and the disappointments 
and the discouragements of ministry and leadership in this coming session. You are not a utility to our God. You are a servant that He loves. What a chapter. And we know where we would want to be positioned in all of this. We don't want to be amongst the enemies of God, people who ultimately feel they never succeed. But we don't want to be those people who have just given up and shrug our shoulders. We want to be useful to our Lord. And when we are, He will sustain us in His grace. Remember that our God loves to save His people. And we see that most clearly in Christ. And so now as our singers come to lead us in praise, we are going to turn our eyes upon the 